If you would please open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Uh, We'll continue where we left off last week, which is Galatians chapter 1, and we'll be picking back up here in verse 11, and uh, we'll finish up chapter 1 today. Now, if you've been with us and following along with us here in the book of Galatians, this epistle, this letter that was um, written by Paul, by the, by the Holy Spirit, using Paul as the instrument to write these words down for the churches in Galatia. It's an area territory. It wasn't to one, just one church, but to a series of churches up in that uh, lower Asian minor area. Um, but they're for us today as well. And as we study the word today, we're going to see it will speak to our hearts as well as to the believers there in the Galatia area that uh, needed to hear the truth. Now, if you remember, the book of Galatians is broken up into three parts. We will see uh, Paul's personal experience, chapters 1 and 2. We will then see, He will take and look at the doctrinal explanation of, of faith. Uh, of grace, and uh, we'll see that in chapters 3 and 4, and then he closes the letter out to them with a practical exercise or practical application telling you and I how to enjoy grace, enjoy the freedom in Christ in our daily life. If you remember in the first part of uh, the first 10 verses, we saw that Paul was highlighting the fact that uh, It's all about Jesus, and it's all about a faith, putting a trust in him alone, because we are justified, just as if we've never sinned before. We put our, the justification from comes from Christ, is by putting faith in Christ and him alone, and and not to add things to it, not to bring in religion into this thing, not to be adding, yes, you need a faith in Jesus Christ, but you also need to keep certain traditions and rituals and all these other things that these Judaizers were doing to the new Christian believers there in these churches all around. And we even saw back in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians uh, when we finished those two books up, the same thing was happening there. They were following Paul around and saying, hey, you got to keep the Jewish law, the dietary law. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep the Sabbath. You need to do this. You need to dress a certain way. You need to do this. And, oh yeah, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. It, it's, it, that's what was happening. And Paul, like a father, watching what was happening to his children, watch out. <laughs> you mess with your children, watch out. And Paul came out furiously uh, with the, the, with this, with this letters to correct what was going on in the church because the church was allowing the culture and allowing these false teachers, these false, these Judaizers to come in and to spread this, this false teaching. And he wanted, that's why he said in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away. You're deserting from the truth. You're walking away from grace and going back to the law. I marvel. I can't believe you're doing this. But you're called by Jesus Christ and the grace of Christ. Don't allow someone to pervert the gospel of Christ. Don't allow them to sway you and take you into troubled lands when you add the law and add religion 
into your, to your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. In verse 10, for I do not persuade men or, or God, or do I seek to please men? No, for I still please, if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I'm not doing this. I'm not saying these things to please man. I just wanted to please God. I wanted to just keep it simple and allow you to grow in grace in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up here in verse 11 as he continues here to talk about his personal experience, about his personal experience of what Jesus Christ has done in his life. And if anyone is a poster child of understanding of where the things are going on here, it is Paul. Because of his background, we will see in the scriptures, he understood what the law was, what it meant, how it played out in the beginning, and, and the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant one of the law versus one of grace. And he'll see here but in verse 11, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's making a contrast here. He says, I came to you. I shared the good news with you that you could be saved from your sins if you put your trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. If you would just take that step of faith and choose to follow him the rest of your life with all your heart and mind and soul strength, you shall be saved and give eternal life. Period. And I came to you, I shared that good news you came to that saving grace, that saving, that salvation, that free gift. You received it. And now what's happened? But understand, I didn't receive it that way. Jesus Christ gave the revelation to me directly. And let me share with you my story. My personal testimony of how I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He says, I want to make it known to you. I want you to know my testimony. I, know, I want you to know what happened in my life, where I was, my old life, and where I am today in my new life with Jesus. Because the good news, the gospel that I preached to you was not, didn't come from man. I wasn't repeating something some other guy told me. I'm not repeating something that some, someone wrote a book about it and now I'm just telling you what the book said. But I'm telling you that neither I received it from man nor someone I sat there and went to college and university. And I didn't go there and sit in some seminary to receive this. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Paul's message was a revelation from God. Paul's message was not a man's attempt to reach up and understand God. But it was God's effort who reached down, bowed down, and communicated with man directly. See, so many times you have to understand the difference between relationship and religion. Relationship is where God has reached down and touched you. Religion is where you think you can reach up and somehow touch God. But that's not what we want is a religion. We want a relationship with God Almighty. 
And he so reached down to touch. Men may have many marvelous things to teach us. But God's revelation has all things which pertain to life and godliness, 2 Peter 1.3. Now more than ever, the world does not need the good advice and the wisdom of man. It needs a revelation from God. Look at our world around us, how man says, I have the answers for everything. We need to do this. We need to buy this. We need to go here. We need to explore new. And they use it and they come and they fall so drastically. How much wisdom of man says we can handle drugs and alcohol and the shootings and the killings and the murders and all the stuff that's going around. And they try to with all their wisdom and power and understanding. And look where we're at today. Because man has chosen to walk away from the truths of God. To take and throw the Bible out of schools. To suppress at every level of government to keep the church from growing and to doing what he, they, God wants them to do within the communities. And Paul says, I didn't receive it from man. I received it from Jesus Christ. And I have this boldness that he's given me. Because I know the things of God pertains, all pertains of life and godliness is in his word. And I want you to know it. Because Paul's own relationship to this gospel is so unique. Most everyone hears the gospel from someone else. But this is God's most common way of communicating, obviously. That's why we have a radio station. That's why we come here on, on Sundays and other times throughout the week to hear the word of God being taught. But Paul was not normal in this respect. He received the gospel in a dramatic way. Dramatic way, a direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus. And you know in Acts chapter 9 the story. Here's a man who is the religious through and through. A zealot for his religion. A passion to believe that because these people who were part of the way, these people who were chose to walk away from Judaism and to start following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he, out of his passion for religion, believed in all of his heart that he needed to go stop these people. And he even petitioned from the high priest to get permission to go stop these people who were following Jesus Christ. And to round them up and to bring them back to Jerusalem. To round them up and to have them killed. To round them up and to persecute them. And to divide families and to cause all kinds of havoc throughout the countryside. But Paul said, but you got to understand the rest of the story. Yes, I have now realized, I have found myself, because of my religious zealot, zealousness, for my passion for this religion that I'm in, that I've actually became an enemy of the Messiah. 
the enemy of my, this, my Savior. I became an enemy of Jesus Christ because I went out there and persecuted his people. I have become an, now the enemy of the Savior of my soul. But by the grace of God, he met me on the road to Damascus. I was in the process of going to get more of these Christians and take them out. And God came and knocked me right off my high horse. You know the story. God revealed himself in such a bright light. It was brighter than the noonday sun in the middle of a desert. And any of you who've ever been in the desert at the high noon, you know how bright that sun is in the desert. But imagine God, Jesus showed up himself and it was brighter than that. And then we find what happened. Paul found himself blinded for three days. His entourage who was with him heard the voice but could not see anybody. And found them laying there and all of a sudden blinded. They had to escort him to the town that God was directing. But remember the story. Go back and read Acts chapter 9. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what was his response? Yes, Lord. He understood that what was happening was a divine revelation of God himself revealing himself to Paul right there in that road. And all he could do is respond, Lord. But the story continues. They take him back to this town. And then in a dream, God touches one of his, his, his children, Ananias, and says, Ananias, I got, a, I got something for you to do. It's just a light kind of thing to do. I need you to go show up, and you're going to be talking and seeing this man. His name is Saul of Tarsus. And I need you to go there because I'm going to have you <laughs> lay hands on him. You're going to pray for him. And you, can you imagine? I heard it said this week, the ISIS of that day was Paul. Paul was going around killing Christians. Ananias hears, you want me to go where? To go meet with who? And talk and pray for some, the one who's killing my brothers and sisters in the country? And you want me to go do this for you, Lord? Yes, Ananias. I want you to go. I've already prepared the way. Paul knew this man was coming. Silent, uh, Ananias knew God was saying that you're going to go. And sure enough, he went there. He was obedient to God and he went there regardless of how he felt. Because he knew his life could possibly be on the edge of losing his life. It could be a trick. Is it really from you, Lord? Are you sure you want me to go show up with a, a killer who wants to take my life? Are you sure? You know, he didn't ask that question. We don't see any of that in the scripture. He just said, yes, Lord. He was just obedient. And he went. And sure enough, we see in the scriptures what happened. He prayed for him, baptized him. Holy Spirit came inside him, filled Paul up. Scales, something like scales, the scripture says, came off his eyes and he could see. 
God sent him there to bring him out of his blindness. But how many days did he sit there, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, now Paul, sit there in that room? Three days. Three days. Imagine the thoughts. Imagine what was going through his head of what he was just had been doing and what he was on the road to Damascus to do. An enemy against Jesus Christ. And by his grace, he touched his heart, spoke to him, revealed himself to him, and he responded, yes, Lord. Is that amazing grace? And you think, I don't know if God would ever uh, allow me to come. You, he, you have no idea the sin that I had in the past. And Paul says, your sin compares to nothing to what I was doing. Oh, I really didn't want anything to do with Jesus or anyone, with people who were around Jesus. I had my religion. And Paul says, oh, I had my religion too. But it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Paul understood that. Paul's zeal to persecute the church as a religious zealot has now moved from a persecutor to now a worshiper of Jesus Christ. We see just in these two verses alone, Paul certified the gospel did not originate with man. Mankind, man-made religion emphasizes human credit. It emphasizes human works to earn your way to have a relationship or earn your way as a checkoff list of saying, yes, that's, I, God must love me because I did my things today. But that's religion. The second thing we see is that the, the apostle declared that he did not receive the gospel from any human source, though he heard, imagine, the things that must have flooded back in his mind when he saw and gave permission for Stephen to be stoned and killed as a religious leader. And now he has to remember the sounds and the glow of the, of the, on the face of Stephen and the things that came coming back to his mind that took place. Yes, he heard Stephen preach. He, he had contact with Ananias and, and Barabbas, and, and he had, but he had no indebtedness. He had no obligation to them for his knowledge of spiritual truth. He understood that I'm not going to follow them because I didn't receive it from them. I received it from Jesus Christ himself. But we also see here in verse these verses that Paul affirmed that he did not receive the gospel he preached by means of some course of instruction. Even though that many today and then would receive the good news from the messengers God has sent out, but Paul himself received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ personally. And now Paul realizes it's not about the law. It's not about the religious ways and traditions that he so earnestly followed. But it's about grace. It's not works. It's faith. It's not Moses. It's Jesus. 
It's not about what took place at Mount Sinai. It's about what took place at Golgotha. It's not about earned. It's about receiving. It's not about trying your hardest. It's about trusting. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And it's not about doing. It's done. The work was finished. And Jesus did it. It's all about the grace of God. And once you get that settled in your life, my brothers and sisters, then you will breathe in and out and have freedom in this, this walk with Jesus Christ. You will, you will just enjoy your position as a child of God in his kingdom, in his family, a personal relationship with the, the, the creator of the universe, and you will have peace and rest for your soul. But if you try to earn it, and you try to do it in a religious way, you'll find that you will not find rest for your soul and you will not find peace. It's all about grace. Paul continues here in verse 3, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. More personal testimony of Paul here. Do you see a motivated young man? How motivated he was religiously? How he understood? Do you remember I persecuted the church? I was going beyond just mocking people. I was trying to actually destroy those people. I was trying to wipe them out so they weren't even in existence. And he had the pride and the boldness to think he could do it. But look where his motivation was there. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. I'm going to prove to my peers in Judaism that I am more zealous for our religion than they are. That I should be in charge. I should be the poster child of Judaism. And guess what? He had all the credentials, didn't he? He was a brilliant scholar. He was sent to the best schools studied under the best rabbis. He had all the pedigree to be, and he was part, he was a Pharisee, he was part of the Sanhedrin council. Everything, all the initials, all the pedigree, all the schools, everything he studied. And what did he use it for? So he could prove that he was better than others in his faith. Being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. See, that's where you know it's religion. 
when your focus is on the traditions in the religion. I got to keep the traditional. I got to keep this. I can't do this. That is where you find that you're finding yourself in a religion and not a relationship. He was so wrapped up in proving himself that he could earn and to achieve and to do better than others. That's a guaranteed sign that you're playing religion. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not the way it is to be. It is about a relationship. It's about focusing your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what else this says in our scripture today? Is that Paul was not anywhere in his walk with God where he says, you know, I'm trying to figure out life. I don't know where I fit into life. I'm not sure about life. I got to start searching around and find the answers to life. I need to go explore the different religions and figure out which one's going to fit better for me. See, he wasn't anywhere like that. He was solidly determined based on the religion that he found himself in. And to understand that he needed to change and all he needed to do is start worshiping the Savior, following the Savior, and not the traditions and the law of the religion. There's nothing wrong with the law, remember? There was nothing wrong. The law that God gave, the simplicity of the law, was good and right. It was God gave it. But man came along in his religious ways and added to the scriptures, added to the do's and don'ts, added to the things of man's ways and stuff, and added burden onto the people. But God says, I'm going to free you from that. I have a new covenant. I'm going to pay. I'm going to give my life. I'll be the living sacrifice for you. And you just need to follow me because my blood is what's going to wipe away the sins of the world. If you would just trust me and follow me. It's a free gift, a gift of grace. Not to religion. But look at what's interesting is he was so wrapped up in the law of Moses and wrapped up in the rabbinical traditions But he says, verse 15, but when it pleased God. But when you see the words, but God, you know things are changing. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So Paul says, Yes, I was following this religion zealously. I was willing to go out there and snuff out anybody else who was going to come against that. I was so focused on the law and so focused on the the rabbinical traditions that I was the poster child. I wanted to be the poster child because I wanted to be the greatest in the kingdom. My kingdom, he says. The one he was creating. The one the religion created there in Jerusalem. But then, but God... But when it pleased God, notice the scripture here in verse 15. But God separated me, set me apart from my mother's womb. 
God literally put a calling in, on Paul's life, and he knew it, from his mother's womb. Oh, we look at those babies. And you wonder, what has God separated them for, for his kingdom to do? That's why every heart is so important for us to minister to. The children's ministry is one of the toughest but the most important ministry to be involved in. Because it's this young hearts that are open and willing to receive by faith so much easier than an adult. And that's why we want to pour in from the child. We want that, those babies to hear. We even t I'll tell you right now, Sarah's with child halfway through her pregnancy. And I'm like, get the word of God on that belly. Make sure the babies are listening to the word of God. Get the worship music going on there. I, those little special phone. I don't know how you do a stick them on there, babe. But let that baby hear. Jackson's got to know the word of God from the birth, from the womb. Because God's going to use that man, that young boy, in a mighty way. That's my prayer, right? As a grand, grand, you know, grandfather, grandmother, we, we're praying heavily. But he separated, Paul recognized, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Did you see the word in me? Now, God lives inside him. That I may preach, might preach him. Do you notice he didn't preach some 12-step, 10-step, do-si-do-step to preach who Jesus Christ is. That's all he was were commissioned to do, is to tell people who Jesus Christ is and that you can have a personal relationship with him. And to do that among the Gentiles. How radical is this? Here is a Judaizer. Jews absolutely despise the Gentiles. They called them dogs. They saw they were, they were below the, the Jews. And now God's sense of humor and grace saves this man and says, I have a calling on your life from your mother's womb. I have designed you, yes, even through this period of your life, as you raised up in this religion, and you became so zealot where you became an enemy against me that did not change my calling on your life. And not only am I going to bring you out of that religion into a saving grace, but I'm actually going to send you to those people you hated so much called the Gentiles, and you're going to go and give the good news to them. Amazing, huh? And God designed that, and Paul recognized it. Paul knew it because God revealed it to him that God had put this on his, in his calling in his life from his mother's womb and flesh and blood didn't reveal that to him god himself revealed that to him god is what prepared him and focused look at the change in his language here from the verses before and after before 50 verse 15 and after verse 15 we see that paul was a was a christian the emphasis was that 
what he had done before he came to Christ, right? I persecuted. I advanced. I was more exceedingly zealous. See, all these were all about, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I have done this. That's religion. But look at 15. The language changed, and he recognizes that God saved him. Now his language changes to what? Once Paul is following Jesus, what happens now? The emphasis is not on what you're going to do for God, but what the emphasis is what God has done and is going to do through your life. And you see, God who separated me, who called me, who revealed his son in me. Do you see the difference? I hope you see the difference. And I hope you're experiencing what God is doing through your life and going to do through your life versus you think, thinking what you think you're going to do. Allow him who has a great plan for your life to let that play out. Just trust him and be a willing to go because God has separated you as well. He has, he has called you to do the things that he wants you to do in that relationship with him for his kingdom. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. But he was not separated to God. Yes, he was separated for religion, but he wasn't separated in relationship with God. But with the work of Jesus in his life, he is now really, truly separated to do what God's called him to do. And that God faithfully has now revealing who Jesus Christ, his son, who lives and reigns within Paul's life. And it wasn't just to be saved. But once you're saved, God shows you and I what we are to go do. Just like Paul. Now Paul... I know this is completely against what you're thinking and what you would like to do. But when I change your life, you will do things that you never thought you would ever do before. And I'm going to send you to preach the good news to reach the loss in a Gentile world. Amazing. In verse 17, nor do I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So you would think, here you are, you're a, you're a persecutor against the church. God comes in, changes Paul's life. He now becomes not a persecutor, but a preacher of Jesus Christ. You would think as a preacher, you immediately would be rushed to Jerusalem, which is where the head of the, the Christian church is, and you would go look after for Peter and all the apostles and say, look what God's done in my life, and what do I need to know, and what do I need to learn, and what do I have to do, and, and all that. No, he didn't go to, up to Jerusalem. He went out, and God took him to the desert, to Arabia. Why Arabia? Well, we're not sure exactly where because it, Arabia was a region. It's not Saudi Arabia that we're referring to here, even though that today Saudi Arabia is part of that area. But it's this desert area from Damascus down into to, uh, Saudi Arabia. But I believe in the study of the scriptures, I believe he actually went to Mount Sinai, which is part of Arabia. 
I believe that he knows, he knew the scriptures so well. He was a master at the, of the scripture. He knew the law inside out. He knew the prophets. Where did God take Moses to reveal the law to him? Mount Sinai. Where did he take Elijah and other prophets? To Mount Sinai. Where did any of the start of God's, uh, Jesus' ministry, where else? Where did he take him? He took him to the desert. He, he kind of took him away from man and took him away everything and just got him really focused on what God was doing and going to do in his life and brought clarity and understanding of who he was. And it wasn't clouded by all these religious things. It was separate. But I believe that Paul, during this period of time, had to get things settled in his life between his old life and his new life. And that God had to do that by taking him away from, and not take him to Jerusalem, but take him into the desert to sit and say, God, I know what you said in the law. And now God is going to show the Old Testament, the Old Testament, right? The law. And show that relationship into the new covenant of grace. And he, God was going to make it so clear to him that it would be no one could shake him from knowing that truth. He's, God was going to take and reveal to what the prophets were taught, what he had read, what he was, he was following in his life. And then he, God was going to show what he wrote and use those prophets and bring it to the new covenant of grace and see that linkage. And it would just seal him to understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And once that was done, we see here he was back up to Damascus. Where he came out of, remember, once he gave his life to Christ there, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. He started telling people the good news. It's just, if you're saved, you can't wait to tell people the good news. Right? Amen? Are you with me? If you're truly saved, you're going to automatically, you cannot help but tell people you are free. That the sins of your, your life have been forgiven. That you, can, you can't earn it, you can't do anything for it, but God paid the price for it, and you are white as snow and set free. How could you not tell other people who are around close to your life that you are a free person in Jesus Christ? Of course you will if you're saved. It's great news. Well, we saw that he got some trouble when he started telling the good news. Because those who saw Paul looked at his life and said, Paul, you're supposed to be a persecutor for, the, uh, for, for us. You're supposed to go out and take care of these people, these Christians. Now you're actually all for these Christians. You're actually promoting and, le and leading other people dramatically to Christ. What? Of course, those in that religion will come against you very quickly. And of course, he experienced that. They came after him. He had to leave again to the desert. But he comes back to Damascus. Well, we know in the scripture, when you go back and read chapters nine, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, and see 2 Corinthians 11, 32 through 33, we see when he returned to Damascus that people, it became even more dangerous to him to a point where he thought, I'm going back to Damascus. I've been prepared in the desert. I got a, God has given me a message. I'm going back there. And he quickly found out. They, he, people weren't receiving him. And you know the story. He had to be lowered 
out through the wall on the side of the city to escape because they were sitting at the gates waiting for him to kill him. He had to escape and get out of there. But then we see in verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Three years. He didn't just rush to Jerusalem to, to get Peter's approval and all the apostle Peter. We see that he went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. That's not very long. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Remember his half-brother? Same mother, different father. Remember Mary had multiple kids, right? So James is the half-brother of Jesus. And verse 20, now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God I do not lie. So he says here, after three years, I, I want to go and I want to go in, introduce myself to Peter. The word here, to see, is not to receive instruction. They're very clear words in the original language. It means to go equate yourself with someone or befriend yourself, yourself with someone. So he went there with the intention not to go under the teaching of Peter. He was going there to introduce and equate himself with a brother in Christ. And sure he did. He went there for 15 days. And we know the scriptures, the rest of the apostles didn't want to see him. They were afraid. They were concerned. They thought they were being set up. That it was just a ploy to get the apostles together. And then Peter would swoop in here with the Roman guards and, and kill them all. Not Peter. Peter so. I'll, I'll meet him, right? And then James, the half-brother, even got to meet him. But after three years, Paul proved. They hear that he did not learn the gospel from the apostles. He learned it from Jesus, spending time with Jesus, hearing him. I ponder, what was that visit like? Peter, what was it like? Is it true that you walked on water? You got out of the boat and you walked on water? Well, just for a moment. <laughs> it was a little, a little wavy, a little scary, and I started sinking. Oh, you won't believe it. But yeah, it's true. I walked on water. God just called me out. I just took the step of faith. But Paul, you should have been there. Hearing our Lord's voice. You should have saw the leopards healed. The blind could see. People who could never walk, walked. It was amazing to walk with the Lord. Oh, you should have been there when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. You can't believe the scene when Lazarus walked out of the tomb, man. It was just unbelievable. Paul, come here. Got to take you to the place where we had our last supper with the Lord. Right here in this place. Right up here in this room. got to go over here man this is where the day of pentecost happened it's where this holy spirit poured out on us 
and the speaking of tongues took place. There was a huge gathering of people. You won't believe what took place there. Yeah, Gethsemane. It was an intense moment. <laughs> In the garden there with James and John, and man, he told us to, to sit and to, to pray, and he went over there from a distance, and it wasn't long. We were snoring and snoozing. Man, we tried, but it was just our flesh was so weak. But you should have saw our Lord when he came back. That's intense prayer. Yeah. It's true. We were walking. It's nighttime. The guard showed. Yeah, Judas kissed him. Can you believe it? But man, you won't believe I took my sword out and I cut off that ear of Melchus. And the Lord picked up the ear and he put it back on. It was amazing. Let me show you the tomb. Right here, this is the tomb. It's where, the, it's where the, our Lord laid for three days. And then the tomb was opened. And Jesus walked out. Yes. My lowest point in life, Paul, was when that rooster crowed the third time. And I denied my Lord three times. And yes, the Lord told me it was going to happen, and I was so prideful and said it would never happen. But then the, the resurrected Savior came to me personally, spoke to me personally, showed me personally the, his hands and his feet, and said, Shalom, Peter. Shalom. I forgive you, Peter. Hey, Paul, you got to see Bethany. You got to go to Bethany. That's where Jesus ascended right into heaven, right in front of our eyes. Incredible moment. What was what was the conversation with James like, dude? Your brother was God. I know. He was kind of weird. He was different. He didn't do what we did. I don't know why. We just thought he was goody two-shoes, mama's boy. But, yeah, he didn't do any of the things that we did. What was he like as a, as a brother? Was he a good carpenter? What was it like when he worked with dad with his hands? What was his favorite game that he played with you, James? What was his favorite color? Did he sing a lot? Did he have a sense of humor growing up with him, James? James said, you know, we didn't believe him. Matter of fact, we thought he had, when he declared to everyone that he was God, that he was the Lord, the Messiah, 
We thought he lost his mind. We actually went to, with mom. We went there, the brothers, the sisters. We all went there to go get him. And what did he say? Who is my mother? Who is my, my brothers, my sisters? But those who follow me. And now Paul is saying to Peter, all that religion I follow, is so clear to me it's all about a relationship with Jesus now. Amazing grace on Paul's life. And then in 20, verse 21, afterward, I went into the, religion, or the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. So after he visited, he went back up into his area. Remember, Cilicia is the capital of Tarsus. That's, remember, Paul of Tarsus. That's where he's from, this region. He went back home. And he got up there. He was unknown by face. The churches didn't know him by face. They only knew him, as we see here in verse 21. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once cried tried to destroy. We went back up there to do what God's called me to do, just to preach the good news to the Gentiles. They did not know what I looked like, but they knew and had heard through the, 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 the chain there that this is the man who persecuted, who were killing the Christians, our brothers and sisters, but he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and now he's out preaching the faith in Jesus Christ. Amazing grace. In verse 24, and they, the believers there, glorified God in me. They were glorifying because they could see, even through this personal testimony of Paul, that Jesus was living and reigning in his life. That's the testimony that you and I want. That people may never have met you, but they can hear, but they may meet you and see that your testimony, how you lived your life, is filled with Christ. And that it would cause people to glorify God who lives and reigns in your life. That's what we want. That's what pleases, that's what we desire. Because that's the difference between relationship versus religion. These churches, these people in these days, amazing grace. And Paul says, and he'll continue in chapter 2. He'll continue his personal experience with Jesus Christ and how radically it changed his life when he moved from religion to relationship.